Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The title of this sermon is, The Characteristics of the Calling. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. To save sinners whom who, uh, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I've obtained mercy that in me, first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. God, if you cannot be long-suffering, God was long-suffering for you. How long did it take for the Lord to get a hold of you? That's long-suffering, 39 years. For me, that's long-suffering. True long-suffering, I want you to get this. True long-suffering is the life that humbly accepts the bumps in the road without complaint, anger, or vengeance. Yet they continue to follow Christ and walk worthy towards Him worshiping. True long-suffering is a life that humbly accepts the bumps in the road without complaint, anger, or vengeance, and yet they continue to follow Christ and walk towards Him, worshiping. When you're long-suffering, you're making allowance for others' shortcomings. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Long-suffering, love suffers long and is kind. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, Warn, you, warn those who are unruly, uh, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. It's like, be patient with them, long suffer. But then he tells you to be bearing with one another in love. Bearing, with another, bearing is, is also the, the word for forbearance or forbearing. It means to, uh, the expression to, um, to, to practically ap- apply patience. And this is actually written in the present tense. So he's telling you that you need to continually bear with one another in love. Continually. Daily. Just as you die daily and pick up your cross and die to self and follow him, you need to... And you can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you. This goes back to him praying that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that you need to have the inner man strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That's why he prayed that. And then when he talks about forbearance as practically applying patience, he's saying with one another in love. And so that's why Paul put in that that prayer in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you be being rooted and grounded in love. We bear with one another in love, being loving, 
And I told you, you're going to walk with life with people, and the struggles are real. We just found out today, you know, we have a, uh, I'm going to say a young man, but he's not a young man. He can't walk. Woke up, can't walk. Has a tumor on his spine. Walking the day before, not walking today. And, and you, you think, how do you walk with somebody who's going through something so heavy? Because, you know, it's cancer. Cancer of the spine, cancer in the lung. Now you're going to have to walk with them. And you may have to walk with them to heaven. As you walk them into, they, they take their last breath into this earth. The big, biggest thing we want to do is make sure that they know Jesus. That's number one. Because we know we'll see him again. We know they won't be in pain anymore. We deal with real struggles as Christians. Because guess what? Life, whether you are walking with God or you're not walking with God, this world will bring troubles. There'll be death, there'll be illness, there'll be sin, there'll be family disputes, money disputes, stuff going on politically, stuff going on. I mean, it's just, it happens. But as Christians, we are to walk with each other, building each other up, bearing, forbearing with one another in love. You know what that means? When I think about that, it's very easy for me in the military. You have your, you have, somebody has my six, meaning my back. And everybody in this room, somebody needs to have your six. Jesus is always there. But God didn't call you to be a lone Christian. We walk together. We should have each other as we go through life together. Guess what? Some of y'all are going to go home to be with the Lord. Some of y'all are going to have babies. And they're going to be bringing new life into the church. Some of y'all are going to have illnesses. And Paul is saying as we walk together in unity, we need to understand that there are going to be times when we have to bear with one another in love. And, and those are dealing with heavy things. In Romans chapter 12, verses 15 through 20, 21, I think this is probably the greatest example of it. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not, be, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if, you, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm telling you, like you, you, as, as you come together, peace is going to come and unity will come. And it should be there with believers. But sometimes it's not. And I think that's why he wrote, <laughs> I, I love Paul. And, and I... You know, I'm sitting there thinking as he writes this, as I'm like, man, this is, this is after his, his dispute with Barnabas. But he says, if, if it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes the other person is not wanting to reconcile. Sometimes the other person is wanting to seek advent, uh, to get revenge or a vengeance or, or they're upset or whatever it is and they still want to be in their emotions and feelings and that's okay and sometimes you're going to have somebody who does something to you that's not following god 
and, and you want peace with them, but it's just not possible. It's just not possible. And so we need to remember that as, as we're forbearing with one another, we, we, we're going to go through life together, and, and we need to walk with each other. That's what part of discipleship is. That's discipleship. This is where the church has missed the boat. We're so busy wanting, oh, we need to have a book for discipleship. Uh, uh, it's, I need to have a study for discipleship. It's in the book. It's in the Bible. How about live it out? How about grab somebody and walk life with them? Oh, the church would change. But we need a 16-week study on how to disciple. No, you don't. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't grab the disciples. Okay, now we're going to have an eight-week. I'm going to teach you what discipleship's all about. And here's the charts you have to look at, and here's the people you need to have. He walked with them life. He brought them alongside of him. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what making disciples looks like. Okay? The church has gotten too my Lord. Again, if the vacuum's there, the devil will fill it. The church needs to get outside the church. Start inviting people to church. Start making disciples in the church. You know, walk alongside people. Pray with them. Be, be with them. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. So you're walking worthy uh, to forbear and, and to keep unity. So uh, it's endeavoring actually is to be diligent, to make every effort to keep the peace. And it's, it's to be diligent, to make every effort. And then that word to keep the unity actually means to be on guard, to keep your eye out. So if you see something in the church, in your marriage, in your family, where peace is going to be disrupted, and there's a little inkling of it happening, you need to address it then. Don't allow it to become this big snowball that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Endeavoring means make every effort, but you're keeping on guard. That means you're, you're mindful, you're watchful as, as dads, as husbands. This is something we should do with the house. Like, hey, uh, so-and-so's that. Man, I, I'll tell you what, I got girls. Girls love to fight with girls. It, and it's different. Boys, they just punch each other. And it's over. Girls, oh man, they get vindictive. They get, man. When they get going, I know when my, I can tell when my daughters are fixing to start and I have to, ah, go to your room. Let me talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. Don't say anything else. And that's it. I mean, these are grown kids, okay? It happens every now and then, okay? It's, I'm being real with y'all. It happens. They're grown kids, and every now and then, they, you know, it doesn't happen often. But let's stop it before somebody says something so hurtful that they're not going to be able to get it back, and it's going to create divide that's going to take time to heal up, right? Be on guard, Keep an eye on it. That's even here in the church. If you see something that you think is going to be an issue, let me know. Let a leader know. Let Tony Rubin know. Right? Or if it's one of the ladies, then you let Miss Teresa know. Or Miss Flora or, or Miss Michelle or Miss Darla. And you let them know. You say, hey, look, I don't know if this is going to be a thing, but you may want to pray about this because <laughs> I can see this bubbling over. Right? Let's be on guard, right? And, and so when we talk about the making every effort, our effort is built upon God's Word. That's where we find our direction. So when we, when we make every effort in the unity of the bond of peace, it's, it's, it's through God's Word. 
And it requires both parties of the church to be in unity, walking in the Spirit and the bond of peace. And it's by, it's regulated by the Word of God. Romans chapter 14, 1 says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but, but not to dis- dispute over doubtful things. Like sometimes we can get into these, these arguments that, that are just, I, man, I, I don't get it. Yeah, and, and it ends up creating divide between a couple. Because well, I, this it says this about, I don't like John MacArthur. I like this. And it's like everybody's, and it's like those are meaningless things to argue over. Jesus Christ is the main thing, right? Keep that the main thing, right? And, and those things you can love and discuss, but don't take it so personal to where you're ready to, to, to argue over it. To the point of you're going to ruin a relationship over it. That's why he says, it's like, you know, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Like you can argue over theology and who's right, who's wrong in the commentary. And I've seen that actually create divide between friends. Actual, like they don't talk to each other no more. And, and it's, you know, it's arguing over, over pre-tribulation or post-millennial. It's just silly stuff. It's smart to know that stuff. It's great to know it, but it's not worth losing a friend in Christ. In Romans 15, 7, it says, Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Just remember, hey, when you walk into a church for the first time, you weren't perfect. When you're a new believer, you're going to step on some toes every now and then. And, as, as, and I, I posted this today. I think I posted it. The most dangerous thing for a young believer is an elder believer who's lukewarm in their faith. Because what you do is you quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's like they're on fire for God, and they're excited, and they're talking to people, and they're inviting people to church, and you get the bucket out, and you just throw water on them. Like, don't be doing that here in the church. Don't be lukewarm. Again, discipleship is coming alongside of each other. We need to be... Uh, unity is, is essential but we have to, within that, you're going to have to have tolerance. And what I mean by that, not tolerance for sin, but tolerance that people are, they have different, we come from different states sometimes, right? I'm from Georgia. And I'm not from Texas. That can be a whole other discussion, right? But unfortunately, I don't get it as bad as the people from California. They seem to give me a pass. As I don't know what it is, man, but... Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant is the brethren to dwell together in unity. Remember, there are going to be people that come into the church that have, uh, they dress differently. They may, I, I can remember people coming in with different color hair. Within a year, they're completely changed. They come in all goth or emu, I think it was, is it emu? Yeah, I don't know if it's that. They come in and it's all, and then over time, God gets a hold of them and they just change. It's not that we try to convert them into clothes. Oh, you got to wear this clothing. No, we don't do that. We just allow God to work in their hearts. That's what discipleship does. God just starts letting go of these things of the world. Just got to go. Colossians 3 verses 14 and 15 says, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. So again, uniformity, not unity, not uniformity. And, it's, and it can only be done to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. 
And we've seen this at work here in, in uh, Divine through South Texas Ministerial Fellowship where we've seen pastors and churches come together because what they do is they leave their theology at the church and they agree on one thing, that Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected. Jesus is the only way to the Father. You have to confess your sins. You have to ask Christ into your heart. You're, you're, and, and, and then we can do ministry together and we go out and we do stuff together as churches. We leave the post-millennialism and mid-trib and pre-trib and all that stuff at their churches. Those are theological arguments, right? We may believe something different than they believe, but that doesn't keep us from having unity. It's not uniformity, right? Because they have a different viewpoint on that. But we are, can have unity because of who? Jesus Christ. And that's why he goes into this now as, he, as we finish up as God who is above all. Right? He goes, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope of your calling. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, For as we have members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, individually members of another. A good way of looking at this is just think about a Lego. Remember he talked about in, in chapter 2, the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ? So just imagine that first Lego is the chief cornerstone. And then the apostles. Remember he said after that as the apostles were built on them. And then what comes next is the church, right? All of you are little Legos. And you're different color Legos. And you're different size Legos. And some of you are L-shaped. And some of you are T-shaped. And, and they just, guess what? You get stacked next to somebody. Because you're part of the body of Christ. And each of you, even though you're stacked next to each other and on top of each other and on the side of each other because you're the body of Christ, some of you are pinky toes and some of you are fingers. But you're the body of Christ. Who's at the head? Jesus Christ. We all have different functions. And Christ uses all of that. But guess what? When the body's divided, let me tell you something, you break your toe, the leg don't work that well, does it? 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Do you not know that the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? As he talks about the one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that dwells in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. We are one body, one Spirit, walking together in obedience to his word, inspired by the Holy Spirit and empowered and seeking God together with one hope. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. We have no other hope. The only hope that you need is Jesus Christ. That's it. And remember that because the, the, the one hope that we have is that in John 14, 3, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. My hope is, is this is not my home. The kingdom that I belong to is eternal. It's everlasting. This ain't my home. I want to make the greatest impact I can make while I'm here. I do. And I, I pray that all of us have that. But you don't even remember what your hope is in. Your hope is in Christ. Your hope is not in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party 
or, or the president, President Biden or President Trump. It's not, that's not where your hope is found. Your hope is found in the Word of God. Your hope is found in the, as, as you have the strengthening of the inner man and walking in the Holy Spirit. Your hope is found in Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. This world is crumbling and will be burnt up. Okay? Jesus is returning. And He will come to judge. And you know what my hope is? I'm not, my judgment is on the beam of seat. <laughs> It's on my works. My name's written in the book of life. That's where your hope is at. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. One Lord. One Lord. One faith. You have to believe in Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what the, the joy of that is? That your tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what the sadness of that is? That there are going to be people that have to, are going to be forcibly to bow. And their names will not be written in the book of life. But they will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then they're on their way to hell they'll go. Like I, I read that verse and I find joy in that. Not because my joy is in, man, I'm going to get to say Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that. But there are going to be people that are going to be forced to bow. And still won't believe. And their names won't be written in the book of life. And they'll spend their eternity in hell. One baptism. We talked about this. There's a teaching online if you want to learn more about that. One baptism. It's full immersion. It's an inward sign of an outward change. As you identify with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was baptized. And so when you're baptized. You're baptized with Jesus. As, as you're, you're plunged into the water. Death and sin is gone. And. And as you come up out of the water, you're a new man, new creation, and you're identifying with the resurrection. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You need to highlight that last little bit. And in you all. The God of the heaven and the God of the universe, one God, one Father, above all things and through all things, is in you all. John MacArthur says it best. This is probably one of the best explanations of this verse. I love this tremendously. This is John MacArthur. He says that comprehensive statement points to the glorious divine eternal unity that the Father gives believers by His Spirit through His Son. We are God created. God loved. God saved. God fathered. God controlled. God sustained. God filled. And God blessed. We are one people under uh, one sovereign, overall, omnipotent, through all, omnipresent, and all God. And, and this is the God of heaven and the universe. And he's saying, in you all, in you all, to God be the glory. Everything centers around his son from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Stop looking for other things. Stop walking away from your worthy call. 
and start walking towards being a child of God and a new creation in Christ. Stop with the new ageism. I need to look within myself. You know what you're going to find within yourself? Sin. You know the only person that can bring you hope? Jesus. You keep looking within yourself, you're not going to find anything. Okay? And stop trying to do it yourself. So what is the application for this? Uh, and I'll keep this very brief. I believe the easiest way to see if you're walking a, a walk that's worthy is simply in this verse, in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Has Christ increased in your life where people don't see you anymore? Or do they still see the old you? If I'm a child of God and I'm, a, I'm called to a newness of life, who I am determines what I do. And so Christ must increase and I must decrease. And if that's going to happen, I need to walk as a child of God, worthy of the calling that, is, that God has given me. In humility and, and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit of bond of peace. And the only way I can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who I am determines what I do. So is Christ increasing and you decreasing? Or are you going the other way? Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 